The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for joining us again this week. It's great to have you. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. This week, joining you from Narborough, Pennsylvania, where I'm doing some work. This show is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work. So this will be a great conversation this tonight for that. I think you'll enjoy it. I'll get to my guest in just a moment, but first let me say a thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you're not familiar with them, Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation, we'll be talking about reverse mentoring, and with me is Betsy Hayes and Doug Swanson, both of California State University. Betsy Hayes is the lead public relations professor for the Department of Mass Communication and Journalism at California State University, Fresno. Betsy is also the faculty advisor for the Public Relations Student Society of America and Fresno State student-run PR firm, Talk. Dr. Doug Swanson is a professor of communications at California State University, Fullerton. Prior to his, his tenure in teaching, he worked for more than 12 years in broadcasting, print journalism, and agency public relations. Betsy and Doug, great to have you with me. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. As I mentioned before we came on air, I've been chatting with some various folks about it, and they're very intrigued to hear what we talk about. So before we get into the content, I think it's always good to hear a little, just a little bit about your background and kind of maybe first, why did you get into public relations? And then after you each talk about that, um, I'd love to know what you're working on today these days. Um, Betsy, would you like to go first? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, one of those, I'm one of those nerds that decided at 16 what my major was going to be. I love to write, and when I did some research, I found out that there was this wonderful thing called public relations, and I could include writing and potentially making the world a better place. So I signed up, graduated in four years, have never worked in any other industry, and I also can't imagine working in any other industry. I, I love the profession so much, and by being a professor and having the opportunity to teach to others, it's really been a blessing. I, I really admire that, Betsy. I talked to so many people who really envy you that you knew so early on what you wanted to do. You pursued and went after it, and you've been blissfully happy. You know, lots of people struggle to figure that out. So, um, And then what are you working on today? What are, what are some of the things that you're kind of focused on in terms of your research or your work? Absolutely. Um, both Doug and I are very involved in our student-run public relations firms on our various campuses. And my big focus right now is growing 
and researching best practices with our student-run firm, increasing the client base, increasing our organizational structure so the students are able to pursue leadership roles. And this topic, actually, the, the reverse mentoring is, is something that we use um, in the student-run firm as well. So that's my big focus, making it as, as fabulous of an experience for the students as possible. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, Doug, what about you? Why did you get into public relations and communications, and what are you working on? Well, <laughs> there are some days I don't know why I got in this business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but I think that's common for everybody in every profession. Um, actually, I started out working in broadcast media, and I had no idea that I'd end up in PR or even in teaching PR. Um, but ultimately, I see myself as a storyteller, and I guess where I got to be today is just a natural progression. Everything I do is about telling stories. And for a while in my career, I told stories on the radio, and and I told stories in television, and I told stories in the newspaper. And uh, as a PR educator today, I teach students to tell compelling stories. So in that sense, I came to reverse mentoring, and, and I see it as just another tool at our disposal to develop and tell compelling stories in the workplace so that people can work together productively. Um, and, and what I'm working on right now, uh, I'll, I'll put in a, a shameless plug for a book I have coming out next year from Peter Lang. It's called Portal to the Profession, Pillar of the Community, the Student-Run Communications Agency. Um, it's, it's a book all about how to set up and run a communications agency, a, a, an advertising or a PR firm within a, a college uh, academic unit. So I've, I've got that coming out next year. And right now, actually today, I've been working on uh, writing, telling a compelling story. I just got back from New Zealand where I was part of an accreditation site visit team to an outstanding public relations program at the University of Waikato. And so I'm writing up my notes and, and working on that today. It sounds wonderful, Doug. And the other thing I definitely want to acknowledge about what you said about how you described your work, which I think is so fascinating as a meeting and work researcher myself, is the way that you describe what you're doing, that you tell stories for a living just through various mediums. And I think that is such a beautiful indication of how people have the ability to take control of and um, in one way or the other, positively or negatively, about how they experience their work. So I, I found that delightful, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so let's get into this. I will, I will confess to you this very moment that before I met the two of you, I had never heard the term reverse mentoring, and I didn't know what it was. So for our listeners who are like me, how would we describe what is reverse mentoring? So I think, I think what I'll do is I'll kind of tell you how we look at it, and then Betsy can follow up with uh, how it works out in practice. But at, at its most basic, reverse mentoring is a workplace situation where you are pairing the senior, more experienced people in the workplace with the junior, less experienced people, and you pair them up, you team them up in a uh, a structured way, a thoughtful way, with specific learning goals so that these people of different levels of experience and different background can learn from each other and everyone becomes more productive. 
Sounds amazing. And I think... Go ahead, Betsy. Oh, thank you. Um, I think that one of the interesting things about what we found in our research about reverse mentoring is um, whether it's set up formally or informally doesn't seem to be as important as the um, commitment that the folks have, the, the pairs, as, as Doug mentioned. You're pairing the seniors um, folks with the more junior folks, and you can, you know, do that in a very organized, formal way that you know, corporately led. It can also happen informally. Um, but it works best when people are paired together that are both motivated to make the experience work. And that goal setting that Doug mentioned is so critical. There has to be, hey, we're going to be partnered together in order to achieve these specific objectives. And then the other component in practice is a regular plan of communication. And obviously, with the advent of technology, that can manifest itself in a myriad of ways. It can be in person, via Skype, FaceTime, teleconference, but the commitment to work on whatever those goals of learning are in a regular way via an established communication channel is also really important. The other thing that we found that's kind of fun is while the process or excuse me, while the um, partnership doesn't have to be set up two-way, meaning the um, goals that each partner has goals, hey, I would like to learn from you and here's what I would like to teach you. It really works best if there are two-way goals because Generation Xers and Baby Boomers feel much more comfortable and also much more committed to the process if they feel they are contributing to the growth of the millennial as well and not just taking, that they're also giving. That makes complete sense to me. I, and I think that just sounds gorgeous. Um, is there, and we think about actually how it, how it works in practice, um, is it better to like to commit to a certain amount of time, a schedule? Anything that, that kind of tends to make that work better in the actual practice piece of it? Well, as you know, everything that doesn't end up on the calendar doesn't happen, right? I do know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> We've all experienced that. So that's definitely what we found is if, um, you know, and the schedule can be as rigid or loose as the people involved, but the idea of, okay, let's at least commit to intervals. You know, we will meet weekly, we will meet bi-weekly, we will meet monthly, um, and some folks do feel very comfortable, hey, Thursday at 4 o'clock versus some folks are, okay, we're just going to do it at some point during the week. But the interval commitment tends to help people stay committed to the process. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. I can envision it. Um, now, for you two, both of you are, are working with your students on, if I have this correct, both of you are working with your students with various reverse mentoring projects in your industry. Is that right? Yes, we are. Can you say a little something about that? I I think that would be, one, what amazing experience for your students, right? What terrific experience for them to walk into the workplace with. And two, I just think that some of these projects must must be fascinating. Can you, without giving away identities or however you want to protect your your clients, share with us. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I I have one that that, um, I'll touch on a little bit later, too. But let me me tell you a little bit about, about some research that I did Back in 2011, I had a study. Uh, I did a study of students working throughout college media in a variety of different experiences on different campuses, and uh, the study was published in College Media Review. 
basically I asked these college students about peer-to-peer mentoring when they were working with each other on projects. And among those students that I surveyed who had participated in peer-to-peer mentoring, 48%, or about half, indicated that they would rather learn new skills from a peer as opposed to learning them from a faculty member or a professional staff member. And 42% said that their student peer mentor was more helpful than a faculty or professional staff member would have been. So I found that clearly young people respond favorably to mentoring as opposed to that traditional kind of, you know, lecture and learn model. And so in my agency, and I know that Betsy Betsy does this in hers, in my agency, we look for every possible opportunity to pair the students up so that they can learn from each other. Because in my case, I've got different streams of students coming into the agency, and they don't all have the same level of professional preparation. I've got advertising students, I've got PR students, and I've got students who have studied entertainment and tourism. So it's essential that those students have to work together. And so I set up that environment where they can mentor each other before they even get started necessarily working on a client project. You know what I find interesting about just listening to you describe that there, Doug, is that what I what I envision is that in order to do that really well then in an organization, then it really does require a really ongoing ability to, if you will, see the forest for the trees and think about what do my people want and need to learn and who can I pair them with. And I would think that that's no small feat of coordination, is it? Uh, you're right. You're right. And sometimes I'm not the best person. You know, I, I'm the faculty member, but sometimes I'm not the best person. Because these students are digital natives, for example. They've grown up with this technology, and they know it far better than me. And so, um, uh, in a a lot of ways, I I let them teach each other. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. Bethy, did you want to add anything to that question? Um, Absolutely. I'd love to share a little bit about a project that I did um, about a year and a half ago when I asked my students for them to volunteer to be part of a reverse mentoring experiment with some nonprofit public relations professionals. Um, in my program, we are very, very um, focused on the concept of service learning, where the students get a chance to practice what they're learning in the classroom for real-world clients in the nonprofit sector. And so the students sort of grow up working with these nonprofits, and so I asked them if they wanted to take it to another level. So I recruited 12 students, volunteers, and then 12 nonprofit professionals. And each of these nonprofit professionals had to have some sort of PR responsibility. And as you know, folks in nonprofits wear many hats. And so while it would have been lovely to have 12 straight PR people that that's all they did, that obviously wasn't feasible. So we had folks who had the responsibility. And I took the 12 students and I put them through a training um, process where I shared with them all of the best practices that we've learned in our research, a lot of which we'll share later with your listeners, and trained them in being expert reverse mentors. And then I brought in the 12 nonprofit professionals and they actually, um, we did it in two to separate days. And so we had two students for every one professional. So there was a lot of experience and um, love and hand-holding on the part of the students. And they, um, we, of course, surveyed them before and after. And everybody 
to the person expressed that it was a wonderful experience. They all learned more, not only about the subject matter, but about the generation's perspective on technology, which was really valuable. And everyone felt more confident in their abilities um, all around. So it was a great, successful experiment. It sounds like it. It really does. And, you know, when Doug was talking about the the younger folks being digital natives, um, one of the things I really wanted to also hear you talk about was how you are specifically seeing reverse mentoring being used in public relations or communications environments. I don't know if there's more you can say to what you just said there, but since I, I want to make sure both of you are in this profession, I want to give a spotlight to that as well. Of course. And one of the interesting things, and I think probably why we started studying this, is there's this natural phenomenon happening right now with social media and digital technology being um, sort of under the PR umbrella. And so we've got these very dynamic, fast-paced, ever-evolving entities that are part of the public relations profession. And so as a result, reverse mentoring really should be a natural strategy for communicators. And so we wanted to see if it actually was and how to do it well. We've got these digital natives, as Doug mentioned, that are savvy with technology, or at least they should be. There's this expectation. And then we have our digital immigrants, which are us, who understand, you know, to to varying degrees of of proficiency, um, but we have the handle on the strategy, but we don't always have the tech savvy to implement the strategies. And so this really interesting dichotomy of the the students and the millennials knowing how to use the tech, the more senior professionals understanding why those messages need to be sent out, and there was sort of this idea that it would be natural for them to help each other learn how to put all of this together and be effective. Wow. Um, that sounds incredibly, incredibly rich to me, Betsy. I'm, I'm really, this is, uh, I like to call these kind of conversations yummy. Um, I'm really glad I found you. Um, amazingly, it's already time for our first break, if you can believe that. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Betsy Hayes and Dr. Doug Swanson, both of California State University from Fresno and Fullerton, respectively. We've been talking a bit about their work in reverse mentoring, and we'll hear, we'll hear more after the break. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're all living in the moment, but you never know when life is going to take a unique turn. 
It doesn't have to be a challenge, but perhaps more of a detour to get where we need to be. On The Sky's the Limit, host Karen Levitt knows that experience, having faced it herself. Learn about her journey from a life-changing event to where she is now. Her guests are amazing people who are living these experiences and overcoming obstacles. Learn from their stories every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guests are Betsy Hayes, the lead public relations professor for the Department of Mass Communication and Journalism at California State University, Fresno, and she is the co-author of three books, including Win and Wow, Public Relations Secrets for Everyday Success. Also with us is Dr. Doug Swanson, who is a professor of communications at California State University, Fullerton. He is also the supervising faculty member of Cal State Fullerton Student-Run Public Relations Agency, Practical Advantage Communications, and the author of two books on public relations education that are coming out this fall. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. Let's pick up where we left off. We were just getting into a bit more about reverse mentoring and really how it shows up in practice. Um, from here, I think it would be great, and some of this might become a little bit obvious to our listeners, but it would be great if you could articulate the benefits of adding reverse mentoring to an organization. I'll jump into that one um, and, and uh, follow up on something Betsy said before the break. And we're having a lot of fun, by the way, Elise. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Cool. Me too. Uh, um, so, again, without, without being too dry and professor-like, uh, I was involved in a, in a study three years ago uh, with my colleague Dennis Gashin, and we surveyed public relations practitioners here in Orange County, California. We wanted to know from them what were the most important skills they wanted to see in students coming out of college and what did they see as the trends for skills in the future. And, and this, although the study wasn't directly related to reverse mentoring, it really has an interesting impact or an interesting relationship to it in the sense that when we surveyed these PR people, they said that the most important skills that they want to see for a new employee are, number one, writing skills, and number two, digital and social media skills. That was not surprising to us at all. But then we asked them what skills are increasing in their importance. And when we asked that question, writing and digital media dropped to the bottom of the list. At the top of the list were planning expertise, problem-solving ability, creativity, and research ability. So how we interpret this is that the senior people in the workplace are seeing the skills that they have by being senior people, the the planning, problem-solving, creativity, research, they're seeing those increasingly important. And although they recognize that people coming right out of school, the junior folks, 
need to have writing and digital media skills, those junior folks don't have the planning, problem-solving, creativity, and researchability skills. So this is where reverse mentoring comes into play. You have these senior people in the workplace who know how to plan. They know strategic thinking. They've been doing it for years, but they don't know the social media because they have no expertise with that. So this, again, is why you've got to match the junior people with the senior people because the senior people have the long-term perspective and the deep concept knowledge that the junior people don't have. And the junior people have the digital media skills and the technological savvy that the senior people don't have. That is brilliant. It's just brilliant. I totally see it. <laughs> the only question I have is why aren't more organizations doing this already? I even didn't know about this. And I maybe that's kind of a rhetorical question, but it just makes so much sense. Uh, Betsy, do you want to add anything to that? Um, yes, just to just to kind of recap and, and a little soundbite, reverse mentoring is really a win-win-win, and it, both groups get to learn something new, and they also get to understand each other's perspective a little better and where the um, or and how the generational lens really does affect how you do everything in the in the workplace. And we'll get into to tips in a second on how to be a good mentee and how to be a good mentor, but one of the keys to making this work is for both sides to be really honest about what their concerns are, what they, how they're feeling about the process, and um, just really open about the communication because that's where it gets interesting because we all are so focused on the way we view the world that sometimes we assume everyone else sees it the same way. But in this context in particular, you have to go in knowing the person I'm visiting with looks at things very differently. I want to find out more about that perspective because that's going to help both of us. Yes, makes sense. And that kind of makes me think a little bit here, Betsy, about the notion of power in relationships. When I, when I think about how you're describing these two parties coming together, so how is power in relationships affected by reverse mentoring arrangements? As, as I look at it, um, I see reverse mentoring helps equalize the power in a workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was I just say. talking about the fact that you've got these senior people who have a lot of institutional and organizational knowledge. They know a lot about the profession, um, and, and, and yet they don't know some of the new technological developments. And you've got younger people who understand the technological developments. They are leading the technological developments, but they don't have that historical knowledge of the workplace. And so... Both those groups of people, each one of those groups has power, but they have a different kind of power. And so reverse mentoring helps equalize power and helps distribute it throughout the organization because it allows information to be shared. And that's always a good thing for helping people be in the know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how it, how it occurs for me, just thinking about it from the outside. Um, now, from from the thing that you also sort of just mentioned there before, Betsy, that I definitely want to talk about here is the, your your advice that you might have for people on both sides of the equation here, those people being mentored and those doing the mentoring. What would you say to that? 
Well, I believe that the overall keys are commitment and sensitivity. The commitment may be obvious. The sensitivity might not be so obvious. So uh, the commitment to both people learning from each other and sensitivity in the context of sometimes that learning might not come easy. And so patience is a big factor in this. So when we're training the millennials that are going to be the mentors, we talk a lot about being patient. We talk a lot about speaking slower (laughs) and also starting with the vocabulary. That was something that came up in the experiment with my 12 students and 12 professionals is the vocabulary is where you have to start because when you're in a topic like social media, for example, uh, and you're doing it every day, the vocabulary becomes automatic to you and you forget that you had to learn it at some point. And so starting with the terms and phrases is always the best place to start, particularly when you're reverse mentoring in the area of technology. Because if you're talking about retweeting and the person you're talking to has never heard that phrase before, we have to start there. So starting with the vocabulary, um, in addition to speaking slowly. The, um, we found that, that our mentors uh, do have to repeat things because, again, this is not intuitive. If you're not a digital native, this is not something that becomes obvious to you. The other thing that was really interesting in one of our early studies, um, and Doug was in particular going, wow, this is so interesting, is that they should mentor in the mentee's office, in the senior person's office. And so they maintain sort of this um, more senior role. And also there was a little bit of privacy versus mentoring, you know, out in the open at the junior person's office space. Um, There was, you know, again, kind of focusing on that power structure that we discussed earlier. It seemed to be more comfortable for the person learning if they were in their home turf. Mm -hmm. And for those that were being mentored to make sure that they are not shy about asking questions. Because this isn't intuitive, because this isn't something that's natural, um, it's okay to ask questions. And and so we have to talk to folks about accepting that, that when you don't know something, you really need to ask. It's okay to ask the person to repeat things, um, making sure that they know that's going to be part of the process. And the... um, the giving something in return, as we mentioned, um, really helps everyone feel like this is working for um, both parties. Mm-hmm. That was helpful, Betsy. I think what you laid out there is really important, just even just the, the notion of where the mentoring session takes place. So important to consider that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, Doug. Did you, did you want to add anything to that? I think she did a great job with that. I'm not going to add a single word to that. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, then I want to cue us up next. You mentioned before, Doug, that you know you're a storyteller, and I love that. That's a, that's how you frame your work. I would love to hear from each of you. Um, a, 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 one of your favorite, maybe reverse mentoring stories. I'll, I'll tell you a little story, and this just happened a couple of months ago. Um, in our student-run agency, we had a, a client come to us, a new client. It was an arts organization that uh, it's a group of volunteers, 
and they fundraise and support financially uh, uh, arts and entertainment events in Fullerton, California. And the organization had had gone dormant for a while, and they were they were trying to come back to life. They had new people and new money, and they were trying to bring it back together. So they came to our agency to to do some work for them to help them strategic plan and and create an, uh, a create a logo for them and develop a website and do these kinds of things. And and my students did a great job with that. But the volunteers on this on this board. The people with money were all people in their 50s and 60s and probably early 70s. And they knew that social media was how you needed to connect today to help fundraise. But they didn't know anything about social media. So my students had to not only develop a social media plan and a guidebook, a step-by-step guidebook showing them what to do, but my students also then arranged a training session and they went out to the home of one of the volunteers, and all the volunteers came together in that home. They all sat around in the living room. They got out their smartphones, and my students taught them how to use their smartphones to manage social media. And it was so cool because the students transitioned from learners to educators, and they really got a kick out of it. And the volunteers learned from young people. It was a wonderful experience. And, and just as a, as a side note, I sent the photographer over there, and we took pictures for my book because we've got great pictures of 20-something people training 60-something people to use social media. It was really cool. That is a great story. You know, you, I could, you painted that beautifully for me, Doug, for all of us, because I could envision that I'm sure that those, those um, volunteers were completely turned on literally by the experience and probably just probably really opened them up to a fantastic world of being able to communicate via social media that they never had before. Exactly. That's exactly what it did. Mm, wonderful. What about you, Betsy? Got a story for us? Yes, and that's been one of the fun parts of that, of all, all of our research, is all of the great stories. Um, in fact, we, um, Doug and I worked on a book chapter for a colleague's book um, a couple of years ago, and one of the things that we chose to do was after every section in the book, we told one of our wonderful reverse mentoring stories. And one of my favorite ones from that chapter is um, a, a alum from my university, Greg Champion, who's actually down in Southern California, he decided that this reverse mentoring idea was so good that he was going to build his company business model around it. And he chose to fill his staff with mostly um, millennials and interns and, and folks who were really in this digital native set based on the industry that he was looking to really get um, a grip on. And every day at a certain time, let's just say 4 o'clock, um, they have what's called a bullpen session. And Greg goes to his staff and says, here's the problem that our clients have. All ideas are welcome. And it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what your salary is. And this kind of talks to the power thing we mentioned earlier. Every idea is treated exactly the same. The best idea moves forward and everyone feels that they have a voice in this organization. And I loved the way he structured it, and he's been wildly successful with um, sort of breaking down those traditional barriers of hierarchy and who gets to decide what the client gets and those sorts of things. 
That is gorgeous, really gorgeous. And, and that makes me really kind of think about something that, that I think is probably important, at least how I'm framing this conversation. And that does get to culture. So because when I think about what the both of you are saying, it, it seems to me like organizations who embrace and encourage reverse mentoring can really strengthen their cultures toward better relationships, higher performance, engagement. I mean, it, it, I don't see how it couldn't. Has, have you seen that borne out in your experience with your consulting and your other projects? Oh, absolutely. Everywhere we look, uh, you, you can see that. Um, I, and I, I want to give a, a plug here for someone else's book, someone I don't know. A guy by the name of Michael Carroll has written a book called Fearless at Work. And it's, it's an excellent book because Michael Carroll in Fearless at Work talks about, he doesn't specifically talk about mentoring, but he writes about the need for us to divorce ourselves from the stereotypes and the fearful assumptions about what work is and what it ought to be. And we all know these kinds of things, these little stereotypical things like Manic Monday and Hump Day Wednesday and thank God it's Friday and those kinds of things. Those kinds of negative stories that we tell in our heads to ourselves and we share with others, these negative stories, we keep telling them over and over and over. And so it's no wonder people dread going to work. It's no wonder they, they go to work and they hide in their cubicle and they don't want to talk to anybody because they keep telling themselves how, how awful it is, how much drudgery there is. And, and so these kinds of things, mentoring and reverse mentoring help us divorce ourselves from that because mentoring and reverse mentoring allow us to step back from the stories and and see work in a truer, more objective way. It helps us become fearless about work and, and about the outcomes of work. I'm not going to be afraid of what happens here. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into this and I'm I'm gonna make things happen and I'm not gonna be telling myself these stories in my head over and over again. We have, a, we have a, a thing that we say to each other at my place of work, you know. We say, when we start getting stressed about stuff, we say to each other, wait, 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 it's just a job. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't approach it seriously, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't do your best work, but wait, this is just a job. It's not something to get yourself all wound up and stressed out over. You know, you can be... You can uh, be fearless and, and, and go to, to go for a quick break here. Sorry, we'll pick up more after, the, after we go on our break here because I want to hear more about that. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Betsy Hayes and Dr. Doug Swanson, both of California State University from Fresno and Fullerton, respectively. Been talking about the merits of reverse mentoring. We'll hear more after the break. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
If you're in an unhealthy relationship or you want to know what helps you avoid being in an unhealthy relationship, be sure to tune into Tamar's Relationship Transformations. Host, author, and certified relationship coach Tamar Neal uses real scenarios from her experience as a 911 operator and counselor to change the way you see potentially abusive relationships. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. If you're just joining us, my, my guest is Betsy Hayes, the lead public relations professor for the Department of Mass Communication and Journalism at California State University, Fresno, and co-author of three books, including When and Wow, Public Relations Secrets for Everyday Success. Also with us is Dr. Doug Swanson, who is a professor of communications at California State University Fullerton. He is also the supervising faculty member of Cal State Fullerton's student-run public relations agency, Practical Advantage Communications, and the author of two books on public relations education that are coming out this fall. We've been talking a lot about how reverse mentoring can help an organization, and just before the break, we were talking about how, how it's related to a strong, vibrant culture, and Doug, you were just saying a bit more about that, and I had to cut you off, so if you could finish your thought on, on that last bit there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I get cut off a lot. I just get going and going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but I was I was talking about Michael Carroll and and he's written a lot on on I guess you'd call it the the topic of a of a thoughtful workplace and how to work respectfully and and not drive yourself and your and your colleagues crazy. And uh not from his book Fearless at Work but from another article he wrote. Um he he and I've got the notes in front of me. He talked about mentoring and how it's a it's a private relationship between a mature, trusted leader and a talented, motivated protege, and that mentors should not not just focus on the nuts and bolts of doing a task, but mentors should also talk about culture and politics and social intelligence and those kinds of things can so easily be transmitted from the senior people to the junior people, and they're so valuable to transmit to the junior people. What are the, what's the culture of this place? What's the politics of this place? How do we work together with social intelligence? You know, 
those kinds of things are really important to, to transmit from one generation to the other. Yes. Wow. Again, I'm going to use the word yummy. Sounds, it's just so, it is so thoughtful. It's so, it's so smart. Betsy, something to add from, from your vantage point about how culture is related or, or vibrant culture is related to verse, reverse mentoring. I think it's, it's completely related and, and that reverse mentoring really helps organizations create a culture of sharing and collaboration. Two of the um, strategies that are, have been proven to be so, so important during this digital age. And the other thing that it does is it eliminates that fear that both Generation X and Baby Boomers have of not being perceived as having all the answers. If you have a culture of reverse mentoring, it becomes okay to be the questioner and not the provider of information. And the um, title of SME, subject matter expert, becomes fluid in an organization that embraces reverse mentoring. And that is extremely powerful and builds confidence at all levels of the organization, which um, does you know, lead to a sort of a, a stronger, deeper connection. If you're at a place where you are valued, regardless of what your title is, you are constantly learning new skills, you're establishing stronger relationships, and through this new knowledge, you are increasing your efficiency and productivity, you're going to be much more connected to that organization, which could obviously help with things like turnover and, you know, growing talent from within. So the value cannot be overly expressed. You know, Betsy, as you were talking, I was, I, sometimes when people talk like that and they share uh, with that kind of a detail, I can get an image in my mind. And I have this image that an organization that does reverse mentoring well like this, you know, is this really healthy, dynamic organization that is, you know, blood coursing through its veins in, a, in, a, in an amazing way with just lots of energy and um, productivity and just just a high positive energy coursing through it. That's just kind of what I envision when I hear you talk about this. Absolutely, and it's really kind of fun. I actually experienced that just right before our call with um, I'm very involved with the Central California Women's Conference here in California and it's a nonprofit organization, and we uh, do a lot of our work through a um, wonderful internship program with um, a lot of interns actually from, from my department. And we had a meeting earlier, and it was about this new um, sponsorship that we're having with a local home builder and a lot of really creative social media things that we're trying that that's my role in the organization, and so I'm trying to lead this conversation about social and really new cutting-edge stuff that, to be honest, I don't know 100% about, and we really opened it up to the interns. Hey, this is our thought. What do you think? What am I not remembering? What am I not looking at? And they gave the most amazing perspectives and had such high value to the conversation that everyone left just pumped and motivated. And after our meeting, one of the interns um, put me aside and said, hey, I have this um, situation that I really need your counsel on. And so I gave her some counsel about a um, freelance client she's working with who um, <laughs> was having some challenges with, with his communication style. And it was so great that literally within five minutes, 
she was counseling me on boosted Facebook ads. And I turned around and counseled her on how to handle an interesting client situation. And everybody was happy with the fact that they were sharing knowledge as well as learning. So it does create a level of energy, as you mentioned, that is really hard to duplicate if you don't have that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that's also kind of occurring to me as you both talk about this amazing topic is that, you know, it, it, it certainly probably has its challenges if, if you want to do this right, right, with an organization. So what maybe are some of the challenges that an organization might encounter setting up an effective reverse mentoring arrangement? Well, I, I think we've touched on one of them already, and that is the fact that it has to proceed from a plan. And, you know, that's true for anything you want to do in the business environment. You've got to have a plan, and, and you've got to write it down, and you've got to put it on a calendar, and you, you can't just go into reverse mentoring with, like, an idea and, and make it happen. It's just you've really got to thoughtfully plan for this. But I think something else that's important is the, the fact that millennials, people of that generation, have such a different experience or such a different concept of what work is and the values and rewards that they want from work. Um, having worked a lot with millennials, I've, I've seen this firsthand. Uh, it, it, for somebody of my generation, you know, I'm in my mid-50s, for example, you see college campus libraries now have a Starbucks in them. And I look at that and I go, why is there a Starbucks in the library? They always told us you're not supposed to have food and drink in the library. (laughs) But that's because millennial people get a lot of work done at Starbucks. They sit around the table in a relaxed atmosphere. They talk. They they share. they're, They're very productive in that kind of environment. And yet for people of an older generation, we think productivity happens at a desk with papers and a pen and that kind of stuff, and that's, and that's not necessarily the case. So millennials think differently. They approach work differently. They tend to like to have their, their projects cut up into pieces so that they know what they need to know and what they need to do and when they need to do it. Um, uh, and, and, and also, just as a side note, there's this, there's this stereotype that, that millennials are, are lazy and slackers because they want to go to Starbucks and you know, sit on the couch and, and, and think about stuff. Um, and that's not true. It's, it's just that millennials approach their work differently than, than other people do. And so that in itself is, is a big challenge to all of this. Um, one other thing I would add, I, I love Dilbert, uh, the Dilbert cartoon. The, the, the entire uh, life uh, at, at work is encapsulated in Dilbert. And a few years ago, there was a great three-panel Dilbert cartoon about mentoring. And, and the first panel, the pointy-haired boss is standing at the desk of the big boss, the guy with the cone head, and the pointy-haired boss says, would you be my mentor? And in the middle panel, the cone-head big boss says, it's better for me if none of my underlings are qualified to take my job. <laughs> and, and then in the, in the last panel, the pointy-haired boss says, I think you just taught me something. And the big boss says, ah, I hate it when I do that. <laughs> so, so, you know, what that says to me is you got to get outside your comfort zone. You got you to gotta look at, at reverse mentoring and mentoring in general as, as an important thing to do to share information. 
It's not a threat to your job. It's not a threat to anything. The more we know, the less of a threat anybody is. Mm-hmm. That's gorgeous. I completely agree with that. Um, we're, we're getting close to time out here, but I wanted to see, um, Betsy, if you wanted to add anything to that before I ask you a little bit about the generational perspectives. Um, yes, because I think the generational perspective is, is so important, and, and Doug touched on a lot of really good points about how millennials approach work, and we um, do have different perspectives on work, Generation Xers and millennials and baby boomers, but we also have different perspectives about technology. Um, millennials view technology as a blessing. Baby boomers view technology as a little bit of a burden, and the Generation Xers are, are a little bit mixed with that, and so that kind of makes this even more interesting and complicated. And we also all have different perceptions about authority when it comes to work and whether or not authority is title only or do you actually have to earn that authority um, perception via your knowledge and do you question authority? When do you question authority? And and all of those kind of things. And, and the millennials have not grown up in a hierarchical situation. Uh, they can tweet, you know, presidential candidates and CEOs and go directly to these high, high level people that the rest of us were trained that communicating with those folks was completely out of reach and, and best case, you know, were several layers in between us. So all these different lenses make this so much more interesting. And that's why when, when we talk to folks about doing this right, we say, hey, let's, let's talk about how we're viewing this as part of this and not just the nuts and bolts of the learning. There is so much there that we could talk further about, and amazingly, we've, we've come to the um, almost the end of the show. I want to, if I can, just get each of you, say, 30 seconds to close with your, your thoughts about how this is related to more meaningfully and productively connecting with, their, with our work. Doug, do you want to go first? You go, you go first, Betsy. Okay. <laughs> um, just that if you mentor and are mentored, you become a more valued professional. It shows that you enjoy learning, that you know that you need to continue to learn, and that you're the kind of person that, who can admit that you don't know it all, but you're willing to go out of your way to better yourself. And I could not think of a better description of someone that I would want to hire. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Doug? My, my thought is thoughtfulness and humility. You know, and that's kind of the same thing that Betsy just said, but, you know, you go into a work situation and... Yeah, you don't know it all. Uh, be humble. Be willing to make mistakes because we learn from mistakes. And be willing to talk to other people. What What do you think is the right approach? Why do you think we should take that? Let's Let's talk about it. Um, I think that's that's a good strategy for anybody in any workplace. Wonderful and great way to finish. Thank you both, Betsy and Doug, for joining us today. I learned a ton from you. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. Thank you. We had um, a fun time. I did, too. If you want to learn more about Betsy Hayes and Dr. Doug Swanson and the work they're doing at California State University, go to our website. It's fresnostate.edu forward slash arts hume forward slash mcj. Enjoyed the conversation much. I appreciate you being able to share what you, what you did, and I look forward to learning more in the future. Take good care, you guys. And for my listeners, I'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. 
Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. 